the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy. And this is our Season 6 wrap-up, or as I like to call it, our pandemic year. Ooh, Welcome to 2020 and goodbye to 2020 as we talk about all the films we've watched for Cannon Cruisers this year. Yeah, normally when we do a season of Cannon Cruisers, it takes about, I'd say, half a year to put them all out. About, it, yeah, but it, it usually takes us to record maybe three months, four months normally. Yeah, and we spread it out, obviously, because it's one a week. But we and don't with the week. with all the lockdowns all and the restrictions crap. and the world being on fire. Yeah, it took us a long time and to get them all out. So one when, of us not being technologically literate as the other, so no real uh, online presence to speak of for the recording. Yeah, but the, nonetheless, we managed to keep up enough of a presence to somehow get something out every week. At least on the blog. If you haven't checked out the blog, you might as well do that at canoncruisers.blogspot.com or .ca, whatever you are. And if you can tell from his guidance series, I'm generally not affiliated with the blog. I'm just here for the... Nope. I was recording those because I figured oh, I'll use the chance to talk about movies Randy wouldn't care that much about, and I ended up uh, thinking doing about twenty of them or something like so that. So in twenty twenty of the actual mm-hmm. Canon Canon Cruiser stuff, we covered fifteen Canon films yeah. from uh, ranging from nineteen eighty three through nineteen ninety. Yeah, most of the movies were centered on eighty nine ninety, but. When we started recording these ones, we couldn't find a lot of the movies, and yet, um, when we came back, I think, from our first uh, quarantine thing, we found a bunch of them? Yeah, suddenly a bunch (laughs) reappeared, like, this is going to go into later seasons uh, as well, but I found at some point the holy grail of things we were looking for. I found Love Streams. I I found the Robotech movie, which apparently was never released, but was released. I found that one. Yeah, and we even covered a couple. I'm pretty sure, but we'll have to look. At yeah, no, it's like looking at the list here. Like, well, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell the ones that were holdovers from previous seasons that were hard to find. Mm-hmm. And then out of our non-canon coverage, including the quote-unquote Dante miniseries at the beginning, yeah. we covered 13 non-canon films this year. Yeah, the uh, like I said, we we started this like at the beginning of the year, and now, well, when this is going to be put out, it's going to be in 2021, but. As we're uh, talking about it now, we're recording it at the end of 2020. So basically, it's been a year of basically one season. It's just one season. So we might as well start from the top, since it's been a while since we even saw these ones. So Yeah, I don't remember what I thought on the majority of these, other than that they were bad. Uh, so, yeah. our f- coming, f- coming from down to pipe, episode one of the season was 1987's Gore. Oh, wow, that's an old one. <laughs> I barely remember seeing that. So, as people re- recall, <laughs> I fucking hate gore. Yeah, this movie was pretty bad, to be quite honest. From what I remember of it, uh, the pacing was awful. Like, completely awful. There was a good setup, if I remember correctly, of getting to gore, like the effects. No, used. it was just a cliched. Everything was cliched, and then everything no, they were was in the car, awful. and then it kind of went into it. But no, I, now you're confusing it with Gore Two. No, I'm talking about this one. Gore Two was the one that had the car accident. That was the watch thing. If I remember, it's hard to remember these ones. You saw these ones so long ago. But yeah, this one was not good, and it was one of the, the really only weird times where I actually thought the sequel was better. Thing that came out of Gore One mm-hmm. 
it would be the callbacks that we occasionally make to bull testicles because there's the uh, uh, little man's uh, balls yeah. and. The five minutes. No, don't action. drink that water. And then pan camera oh, away. That's the like, second movie. Is it the, that's the this, second movie? Yeah. In my mind, they are the same movie. <laughs> There's a. Lot, we saw these movies a long time ago, but the one positive I remember was Jack Palance was in it. Jack Palance. I, I may need to pull up your blog just to actually get the scores. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure we gave that like a one. We, we gave that a one. Probably a one because it was there was nothing really good about it at all. It was. It was interminable, it didn't have a direction, and it was so boring. And I'm talking about somebody who likes and actually writes fantasy, and I just thought it was so dull. I haven't read the book either, but I'm sure the book's better than it because, ugh, that was boring. I don't know. I don't think the book would probably be any better. You don't think a book would be better than that Golden Globus movie? No, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think this book would be any better than anything. <laughs> Alright, so what's the next movie we saw? One second, I'm almost there. So for gore, mm -hmm. just to, just so that you know. Yeah. Wow. What? Uh, um, this is where we're gonna revisit. You said we both gave this movie a one. Apparently, so. we both gave it a two out of five. Hmm. And this is what you wrote. Cannon is back. We've returned again for certain episodes of the season. Yada, yada, yada. Unfortunately, we don't find the first movie that exciting. Once again, check the episode above for our impressions. That's because I didn't remember what we said about it. That's why I wrote this. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we, we both gave it a two, apparently. And honestly, this is one. I, I think this is the season where we started... Uh, well, we're kind, of, out. we're kind of revising a bit uh, on this one because, like I said, we're we have a bit more of a hindsight on these ones than we do usually when we record these. Because usually, like I said, it's only about half a year. This one's a full year, more or less. So I could say this one uh, does not hold up for memory-wise, and I'm not going to watch it again. So that's I would say we probably change that one to a one if I could. Our next yeah. episode of the year. Yeah. Um. Let me lead it out this way. This film, you rated a three, I rated a two. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, this subject may be a little taboo, maybe a little forbidden. Congetti, forbidden subjects. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This uh, one... Another Bronson with A.G., with uh, J. Lee Thompson. Yeah, uh, this was their last movie, both of them, uh, remember correctly. Um, and this one was a bit lacking in execution, but I thought the ideas behind it, and there was a, a lot of good spirit that they put into it, and I thought the ending was really well done. It was not the strongest one, and is probably not the best thing they could have ended on with, but compared to some of the other stuff we watched, well, it was pretty decent. I probably would stick with a three, if I'm being honest. Well, the next movie we covered, J.D., Mm-hmm. Just from the canon, I'm not going to jump around and go to non-canon on you here. Our next movie, mm -hmm. you scored it a two. Mm -hmm. I scored it a two. Okay. The dude is back. We're talking about. Actually, sorry, the dude is not back. I'm talking about American Ninja Three: Blood Hunt, yeah. a movie that I actually forgot that I saw. Yeah, I remember. The only thing I remember about this movie is uh, David Bradley found the, the disappointment when I was watching it because. I'm very lenient on action movies because I really like action movies and it doesn't take a lot to make a good action movie because you just need action. But this movie really didn't deliver. Yeah, you barely even need a story uh, for if for an action movie to be good. It's, if the action is enough to hold it together, if the you can mm. have a bare bones story, but as oh yeah. my god, it's but it wasn't. There wasn't much in the way of action in the movie. What was there was not very good. It's like hard to really even blame like David Bradley for this one because. The actual filmmaking itself didn't have much in the way of action. This is the one with the hang gliding sequence, right? Yeah. 
I remember liking that a little bit. That was probably a good sequence. And like I said, um, Steve James was in the movie, and he was the highlight from what I remember. But as a whole, it was just, this is nowhere near as good as the first two. Not even close. It was a real disappointment. Next on the chopping block here, I gave it a three. You gave it a three. Mm -hmm. uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, only was partially able to save it with editing. I'm talking about Cyborg. Yeah, our favorite director on canon, or at least the most controversial one, which is why I like to find his movies to watch, is Albert Pune. And this was probably the second highest rated Albert Pune movie we had on the show so far. Definitely the highest rated canon Albert Pune film. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um... It's Jean-Claude Van Damme in the post-apocalypse uh, spin-kicking people, which is the best part of the movie. The actual story is pretty sluggish and a bit choppy, but the editing is saved because the action is so tight and it's focused. I don't really want to see the uh, unedited version that's apparently out there that isn't his edited version because I'm not really interested. This is also another movie that um, I already kind of made a joke about earlier with the... Uh... Robert Zemeckis episode we did tonight where mm -hmm. I talked about one of the directors or actors who uh, may have had to run away because of uh, lawsuits <laughs> and killing people or maiming them. Uh, in this movie, this is the one where Jean-Claude Van Damme takes out one of the people's eyes by accident. Yeah, but at least he, he uh, you know, paid for it and all that, so uh, not that much for talking. But as a whole, I would say uh, Cyborg still holds up for what it was. Okay, that groan is for the next movie. Mm -hmm. We both gave this movie a two. Which was? It's Outlaw of Gore. Yeah, because as I said, we wa this one we cheated a bit because we wanted to watch the only other one they did on um, Mystery Science Theater 3000. And um, it was better because it was a thorough plot line of things going from one place to another. No, now you're now you're making the random mistake. The first movie was the one that had a overarching plot. This is it the did. one that had this is the one that had no plot where they just wandered aimlessly for the entire movie. This is where we it get both testicles. One. This is where we get both testicles. The first from. one was the one because I remember saying that there was no, there was no drive to go anywhere in the first one. Okay, for one, the last time, JD, these gore movies they're all the same. Yeah, but the second one is better because this is the one that actually had like clarity to it. Like you know what, Janie? We have to agree to disagree. No gore movies are good, okay? I'm Fine. Not uh, we're not, not going to defend them. I'm not we're not going to say anything. Good. I'm just they are the same movie. Of the two of them, this is the better of the two. That's all I'm saying. It's all this movie good. gave us, and you'll hear it throughout our various episodes, is Cabot! <laughs> I was on a lot of medication at the time, <laughs> uh, and that stuck in my head. Yeah, but. Like I said, it's Listen not to that episode good, to hear me be better slightly high out of my mind on medication. All I'm going to say is it's better than the first. That's it. Not by much. You gave it a two. Yeah, instead of a one. <laughs> now, I want, yeah. I'm want. i going to give you some clues here to see if you'll be able to figure out what this movie is. Mm -hmm. So starting off, I gave this movie a three. Okay. Out of five. You gave this movie a four out of five. Okay. This movie... Um, stars. Well, let's not go. This was from the director of The Perfect Weapon, uh, uh -huh. and he was also the producer on Bloodsport. Okay, kickboxer. Yep, and it's the third Van Damme canon film. Technically, the fourth was Cameo and Breakin', but. Yep. Uh, yeah. Kickboxer was the. Well, let's say Van Damme was more or less the financial savior of canon at this point. Uh, all his movies that came out did really, really Honestly, well. for me, of the Van Damme trilogy and the with canon, it's it's very much just Bloodsport well, Kickboxer. Bloodsport is the best one. We're not gonna we're not gonna mince words about Bloodsport. 
there's technically a fourth one which we we're going to cover in a season, but like I said, because of all the stuff, we're pushing it to next season. But we'll get to that later. We're we're playing Lucy Goosey. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, the Kickboxer is great and worth seeing. Fuck this movie. We, the next movie's Crack House. <laughs> Let's skip. Let's go to that. No, no, we're talking about this movie <laughs> because fuck this movie. It is bad. I'm sorry that I'm swearing like a sailor today, but this movie was awful. Yeah. It, Quentin it Tarantino, bad. you should feel bad about yourself. For liking oh, this movie, um, I gave it a one. JD gave it a two. This a is one points. of the movies that, during quarantine, suddenly appeared on YouTube. <laughs> as far as I know, it's no longer on YouTube. So, <laughs> make that of what you will. This yeah. movie is bad. It Don't is. watch it. It's not recommended. It is bad. Yeah. It's... I. I honestly might say it's worse than the Apple, but I don't know because I've been slowly reevaluating the <laughs> Apple over the years. Um, it's not a good movie. Let's sum it up on that one. It's not really worth talking about either. It's a exploitation after school special. Yeah, a lot of the stuff in it, if I remember correctly, doesn't even need to be there. We're just added on just to have the elements in it. So it's not good. It's the episode of Saved by the Bell where Kelly gets hooked on pep pills. Yeah, it's pretty much that, only with more blood and sex. That's it's a very special episode of Fresh Prince of Bel Air where Carlton has a gun. But again, with more blood and it's a very It's a very special episode, the movie. Uh, so after that, we watched. Now the dude is back. Mm-hmm. I scored it a two. You scored it a two. We're talking about the mediocre, mediocre movie, River of Death. Yeah, this one was more of a just... Eh, it was almost good. What did you think this movie was supposed to be from everything we read about it? Just a uh, straightforward adventure uh, movie? Nope. Serious mm. drama, more or less. Yeah, the problem with this movie was uh, they didn't pare it down properly for a film treatment. If it would have gone that way, it would have been a lot better. As it is, it's just kind of weak. It's not even like, it's not a, like, it's like Crack House's level, not even close. But For crying out loud, JD, we would go on to spoilers, cover a better movie directed by this director. Yeah, 89 wasn't the, exactly the best of the two main years we covered here. I, I would say it's definitely Oh, right, weaker. yes. I forgot to mention, but this is 89. Crack House was 80... Uh, also 89. Was it 89? I thought yeah. it was earlier. No, it was also 89. As it 89 was not the best year for canon. I actually think 90 was better, and we'll probably find out why very shortly, but uh, continue. Okay, now we're going to start moving into the area of stuff that I don't remember what we rated things, because uh, mm-hmm. they're not all up on the blog yet. Um, we covered, this feels like it was, we just watched this yesterday. I, I swear. Um, yeah, we just did a bunch of episodes really fast after quarantine opened, everything like that. Um, Lou Ferrigno, Luigi Cozzi. You can check the, um, Hercules, the uh, movie list. I think I have even the ones we haven't put up listed yet. Just the names. I have them all here. So, like, I'm just saying. I have every episode sitting in front of me, mm-hmm. but I just don't remember the scores we gave them after a certain point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I feel like we just watched this, like, yesterday, like, last week. Uh, three and a three. Yeah, Hercules was a movie that just, was just solid, really. It was fun to watch. That's all we could really say about it. It's a, it's it a might be movie. hard to believe, but we actually enjoyed it this one fun. a good deal. It was fun. Despite its infamous reputation, it holds together solidly and has enough creativity and lightheartedness that you would feel comfortable showing it. To your kin, kids or younger relatives. Also, your kin would work there, too. That's probably what I would say again. Yeah, It isn't perfect, of course, but it holds together much better than you would think. Yeah, that's pretty much what I would say now. Uh, and this has led to our love affair with Luigi Coetzee this season. <laughs> and 
all the hard work he really puts into the the, the films that he's just been shat onto. It's like, here, Luigi. <laughs> yeah, do this, do that. Do this, do that. And he just manages to barely pull it out every time. And now, what was arguably one of my bigger surprises, though I didn't rate it that high. I gave it a three, you gave it a three. Mm-hmm. 1989. Sorry, 19. correction, 1990. Mm-hmm. In a one of the first musicals, I believe, since The Apple. Yeah. Rockula. It's surprising that Canon didn't do more of these, but... Uh, I mentioned yeah. it on that on the podcast for this episode, but I am still seriously considering buying a copy of this for myself, even though I only gave it a three. I'm really disappointed that you can't find the soundtrack to this one because I keep getting the, the songs from the I know, I looked, I, I was trying to find it. Even if I could only find a rip for it to give it to you for Christmas, I was trying to find it, but I could yeah. not find it. Yeah, there's no... I don't think there's any official soundtrack released to it, but yeah... Rockula is a really bizarre movie. It's like one of those cult uh, rock and roll uh, musical movies, sort of like Rocky Horror, but much better than Rocky Horror. It's actually enjoyable to watch. It's coherent. And there's a lot of pretty cool effects, like the way they did the reflections, if I remember correctly. And the music is really catchy. Yes. And now let's go back in time to another movie that was hard for us to find, but JD was able to buy a DVD on it that also had the other movie of it. Mm Mm-hmm. The Adventures of Hercules from 1985, yeah, this a.k.a. Hercules 2, yeah. a.k.a. that movie Luigi Coetzee cobbled together from parts of the Seven Magnificent um, Gladiators. Yeah. I gave it a two, you gave it a two. Yeah, it's basically the first one, but not as good. <laughs> it's the best way to put it. It's just not as good. And but it did give us the line, chaos and science. <laughs> yes. Is it? it? If you have the first one, if you had like, a, I got the DVD pack because it was really cheap and it had the second one on it. If you find it, might as well watch it. But first one's better. That's really all I can say about it. Okay, now for this next one here, I'm just going to read what I wrote instead of uh, JD's and I'll bring up the score. Okay. So, this is from, so uh, on March 16th, 1990. Yoram Globus and Canon Films attempted to cash in on the latest dance craze, sweeping the nation by releasing Lombada. So, according to the blog, yeah. you gave this movie... Three. A three. I gave this movie a three. Mm-hmm. Let's not say anything about this movie uh, yet. Okay, I think I know why, but okay. Um, I'm going to break our rule a little bit, and I'm going to jump into a non-canon episode that's the companion piece to this. Yeah, might as well. Um, on March 16th, 1990, Menaheim Golan and the 21st Century Film Corps attempted to cash in on the latest dance craze, sweeping the nation by releasing The Forbidden Dance. Where have I heard that before, J.D.? Where have I heard that before? That's one of the reasons why we're talking about it now, because the cousins were fighting at this moment, and they both wanted to cash in on the same trend at the same time. So, the downfall of canon, Mm -hmm. they they basically split, um... Mm -hmm. Golan ended up going to work for 21st Century Film Corps, gave it their little renaissance, but not really, because they didn't put out a lot of good films after that either. Not really. And they both tried to screw each other over by making the exact same movie, but not. Yeah. The... One is ultimately better than the other, and in this case, it's actually the canon film that is better than the non-canon film. Yeah, of the two of them, I'm going to say Lombada's more worth it. It also has... Choreography from Shabadoo. Yep. From Breaking uh, Fame. Just, be, just to keep everything kosher here, mm-hmm. I gave The Forbidden Dance a one, you gave it a two. Yeah. I thought it was funny and a lot of really funny stuff in it, but as a whole, no. 
Yeah, Lombada ended up watch being Lombada ended up being overall a better film. Just watch that one. Better choreography, better just, this, better just that. Just better in every every way. But like, the Forbidden Dance, it's a weird thing to bring it up as a comparison. It reminded me in some ways of Crack House. It was the after school special of yeah. the dance craze. Like, like girl coming from the countryside. In this case, she's an she's an Amazonian princess. Yeah, yeah. Coming from the Amazon rainforest and then getting falling into you the know bad what? crowd. This actually felt me. I felt a lot more like the Apple a little bit. Actually, to be quite yes. honest, There's yes, yes. A lot more similarities with the Apple than you would think, which is not something you want to hear. But it is what it is. Yeah, might as well talk about it now because that's a pretty big. I just had to bring them up because it's just, it's like. Mm-hmm. These are the only two that kind of pair together yeah, on purpose. On normally, purpose. we usually do a non-canon before, or after. If there's a sequel to a movie we're covering, that's non-canon. But in this case, they're kind of intertwined with each other, and they're different enough that they're both worth talking about. I think. Yeah, because they, even though I joke and say they're fundamentally the same film, the Forbidden Dance is Lombada, the original, the original title of the film. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're not. It's but they are both save the rec center, but the rec center is X. Yeah. They are both just breaking with Lombada, but One's they're better also... about it than the other is. That's very much it. And I would definitely the say the person who did break in the original break in was better at it. So Yes, because he's the one that directed Lombada. Yeah. And that's it shows because like I said, that and the choreography are just much more enjoyable as a whole. And there's more interesting if I remember character moments than the other one. Now let's see how good your memory is here, because now we're going to be going off script a little bit more, oh. and I don't remember the the scores we gave these last three films we just watched. So in 1990, mm-hmm. uh, this is also a late canon film, very mm-hmm. very much a late 1990 canon film, uh, starring the dude. The dude is back. Okay. Uh, some Russian lady, oh. and uh, Mark <laughs> Hamill. Oh, Midnight Ride you're talking about. I'm talking about Midnight Ride. I believe I gave it a three, and you yep. gave it a three? We both gave it a three. This was a really, really weird thriller. And as you know, as for my unironic love for Lucinda Dickey and for uh, uh, Ninja 3 to Domination, I like it when canon gets a little bit weird. It is. It's a bizarre thriller. It's we call. I think we call it a Saturday night, late night movie, and that's yep. really what it is. It's the sort of movie you watch at night. It all takes place over one night. It's basically about a serial killer. Oh my god! You know what it basically is. You know what what sums this up. Okay, Mm. I'm showing my age here, folks. Remember that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Bart uh, allegedly kills the principal, and that made-for-TV movie they have at the end with Dennis Franz and uh, Neil Patrick Harris. (laughs) That weird movie. Yeah, that's basically what this movie is. That's the time slot this movie would have. Oh yeah, yeah. It's definitely that type of a movie. Coming to you from Fox. It's weird. There's a part I remember where they're in the hospital basement and Mark Hamill's riding on a, a four-wheeler. It's really weird. Oh, you don't want to talk about the part where he uh, puts the dude inside of a car or on top of a car and puts it in neutral and pushes it down a, a hill and then it runs into a car that's being driven by a lady and her child and then it blows up in a humongous explosion? Yeah, or how about the part where he steals a car off of the back of a truck with a bunch of other cars on it? That was the part where Randy said, did you know that this was directed by a stuntman? And I went, really? A stuntman directed this, huh? Yes, that's why there's so many pointless stunts in the movie. This is the movie that Thunder Road wanted to be. Or was it Thunder Run? I don't remember. Thunder Run. It's much better than Thunder Run because it's actually enjoyable. Was Thunder Road or is it Thunder Alley was the rock music music one? Uh, 
Highway to the Thunder Alley. I, I yeah. love I love however however I bring whenever I bring up the subject of one of these three movies because I think we've covered all three of these movies with the same title. We've covered Thunder Run and that one was a real disappointment because it was supposed to be a big stuntman movie and there's like one jump in the whole movie. What? I, I love that we constantly relitigate that those three movies because just... we can never remember them. Okay, so mm-hmm. next up on it is uh, I'm gonna call it a disappointment right off the bat. Uh, Delta Force Two: The Columbian Connection. Uh, the only issue I remember with being in this movie is that it's 20 minutes too long. Yeah, and this remember, movie went on forever. And I remember seeing the runtime before we played the movie and I said, why is this like two and a half, almost two and a half hours long? And watched the movie, oh, because they should have cut 20 minutes out of it. And they didn't. Other than that, it's a Chuck Norris action movie. Do I think like I the, gave it a two, I think he gave it a three. I said, it's a Chuck Norris action movie. You like it, you like it, you don't, you don't. There's nothing that's going to stand out in this one or really change your mind. That's really all there is to say about that one. And now capping out our our Cannon Cruisers portion of this podcast, yeah. the movie that we watched today, Sinbad of the Seven Seas, oh. directed by Luigi Cozzi and Enzo Castiglieri, and starring Lou Ferrigno, who's been overdubbed. This one was a surprise, I'd say, because... Although it had the same sort of production history as The Adventures of Hercules, it ended up being a better... Go back to the episode, because I I brought JD to school on that one with all the the crazy back knowledge on this thing. Yeah, there's a big thing behind that one, which you don't need to repeat here, but uh, the long story short is somehow it holds together as a coherent movie that is fun to watch. Yeah, it's, a, and it's it another Saturday should. afternoon, Sunday afternoon movie that you would just put on in the background. And it probably shouldn't hold out, hold out as well as it does, but it does. I don't and know. That how. is the end of our story. That's the end of all the canon stuff we watched, which was kind of a really weird mixed bag of weirdness. And, and even weirder because of all the little quick random uh, dropbacks to the earlier canon. Yeah. Just to see how far they've come or, or how far they haven't come. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna just going to say that we went a little bit weird at the beginning of this non-canon thing last year mm-hmm. when we started recording it. And yeah. we covered one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven Joe Dante films. In oh, a row. Right. Yeah, I almost forgot we did that. So for non-canon, we covered seven Joe Dante films yeah. in a row. And why? Because we had already seen... Because we wanted to. <laughs> because we had already seen his bit in Twilight Zone? Yeah, we figured at that point, you know what? We like Joe Dante. We want to cover his movies. And there's a couple of them we didn't see or ha- don't remember. So might as well watch them all. And we did. We watched, so the uh, first movie was yeah. from 1981. Oh, yeah. The Howling. Uh, a very surprising to me uh, sort of movie. I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Yeah, um, really cool great effects. special effects. I can't remember the score. It's been too far back. So let me yeah. let me refer to the blog, <laughs> the Cannon Cruisers Yeah, the what I remember about the Howling is is a uh, I want to say typical werewolf movie, but I don't watch them any werewolf movie because they're all kind of I don't know boring to me. But this one was pretty good. There's some good effects in it, and the story was interesting. Although apparently, from what I remember, the author not a big fan of the movie adaptation, and Joe Dante was not a fan of the book. So they kind of clashed a bit. That's about all I. But can it it did give us the Howling too. My sister is a werewolf. That's <laughs> such a stupid title. I gotta watch that just for the title. So <laughs> just to so this one originally premiered for us like mm-hmm. we started uploading this February 2020. 
I gave it a three. You gave it a three. Yeah, it's, it's solid. Uh, if I remember correctly, the issue was the plot barely held together. That's about all I remember. That's it. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of holes you could poke. Uh, the next one we covered was 1984. Going back to something I would say in our most recent episode of mm-hmm. non-canon, that 1984 was a very loaded year. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about 1984's Gremlins, uh, Joe Dante's Gremlins. Oh, yeah. There's not really a whole lot to say about Gremlins, especially considering you're listening to this podcast. You've probably already seen it, so you already know everything about it. This is a Christmas movie, folks. This is uh, technically the time to be watching it as we record this like days after Christmas. Yeah. Uh, watch this. Also, watch Die Hard. They're both Christmas movies. <laughs> uh, this also pairs very well, I might say, with It's a Wonderful Life because there's a lot of parallels. Yeah. But I gave it a four. JD gave it a four. Yeah, it's really it's is one of those movies that our generation has is very formative. Yeah. We like puppets, but not in that way. <laughs> the only like I said the problem with Gremlins is all technical stuff. You notice if you're paying at close attention, but you do not notice it if you're not paying attention, which is mostly story related stuff like how characters just disappear later on in the movie. But if you're not paying, oh, attention you're talking that, about um, one of the Corys. Oh, a lot of characters just disappear, like Judge Reinhold's character. I'm pretty positive he gets eaten. No, he just doesn't show up again. And then a movie that I scored and does have a place in my my nostalgic soul. Um, 1985's Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix starring Joe Dante film The Explorers. This was such a disappointment. I gave it a three. He gave it a two. Like the whole entire beginning half of the movie is... A great movie. It's going to be good. Nice reference to Monkey Shines, which we still have to watch at some point. Mm-hmm. And then, they like a lot of space. movies, a lot of a lot of movies we watched, they didn't have an ending, or they didn't have a back part, or they ran out of budget, remember, or they had no script. I remember one part specific when they get into space and they're on the alien spaceship, and the alien is singing or something. And I remember turning to Randy and say, "This is bordering on a one. <laughs> this is bordering on a one. That's how bad that was." Like, everything up to the Aliens is a solid three movie, and more more than not, it's a three movie. There's certain movies, folks, that you don't go back and revisit from your childhood because this one, they're I, better in your memory. I wanted to like it, but it just, I fell so far apart from it. Of me. all the movies that it's like, I know we're suffering from reboot fatigue or mm. remake fatigue. Yeah. I honestly think that potentially this could be a good movie to remake or redo just because... They didn't have a complete script. They didn't have they they, they didn't have the budget. They didn't have it because the yeah. idea of those losers from your class just putting together uh, a spaceship, spaceship because they're having a prophetic dream. Yeah, and it really is just the alien saying, "Hey, we want to meet you." This is this is contact. This yeah. is the close encounters into, of the third kind. They go up into space. And they go up to space. And, yeah. and the problem had, is when they got to space, which is. I'm not the, the most the, Joe Dante esque part of the movie. I'm not mistaken the problem with the actual movie called Contact as well, but that's a whole other story. It's her father. <laughs> that's so stupid. Okay, and then this movie was a surprise to JD because he's never seen it. I and I have always sung its praises. Which was um, honestly my favorite Joe Dante film. Nineteen eighty Mm-hmm. Fantastic Voyage ripoff that you might not expect. I never saw Inner Space. I never saw Inner Space before. This was the first time I ever saw it. And uh, I gave it a five because I actually think it's 
pretty close to perfect, and I was surprised. This is the perfect Joe Dante movie. This is everything. This is giving Joe Dante a budget and and just enough limitations, mm-hmm. and having the great actors for it, Martin Short, who who downplays it until he gets yeah. to play some really crazy moments later on in the film, which works. And it works, and it's a wonderful film that not enough people talk about. Which I'm surprised. It's not a short circuit with the brown face. There's nothing that's really um, like, oh, like outstanding right. in this movie that people might find offensive. It's just yeah, what well, it was. Of all the things we saw, like I said, this is the one I watched and was wondering how come nobody talks about this one. Correction: Why does nobody talk about this movie? But Randy, because well, I bring this, I would bring up Inner Space periodically. It was on my. Christmas gift list for years saying, hey, you want to get me a movie? Get me in inner space. I love this movie. Like I said, I'd never heard of it before. I never really heard anybody talk about it. And it's, as I said, when I finished watching it, I was like, no, it's does everything right. It's perfect movie, all perfect casting. It's one of those movies that you this would have seen on one. cable. You, I rented from Ojukwa Video like numerous amounts of times. This is the one you see um, all of his movies, this, I think. It's like... Everybody knows Gremlins. Everybody knows Gremlins too. Yeah. If you see, if you like the Gremlins movies, you should definitely watch this. Yeah, one. this is it's it's a great movie. Uh, I, honestly, it's like I've watched it recently in yeah. quarantine time. I have watched it recently. It's one of the well, I'm not going to say the few because I go back and I watch Gremlins <laughs> periodically. And I, but this is his it's best strongest film. movie. I'd say yes, definitely. We follow that up with another strong, uh, surprising piece of uh, the burb. Surprising in that I scored it so low as I did. I scored this movie a four. JD scored it a five. Nineteen eighty nine. The Burbs. I think it's the second strongest movie. It's uh, the, well, um, the inner space pretty much nails everything it wants to get across. This does the same thing, but it's not the same sort of movie. It's this is more of a uh, satire type movie. That's more of just an adventure comedy. Yeah. This one's more satire, and I think it's funnier when just going for general jokes. And I really like the ending where it turns out. Oh, they actually were right. <laughs> yeah, and I actually like the, po- the the poster. That's actually another one I would love to add to my wall. If I, if I ever put together my little podcasting studio in the back room or whatever, I think that's going to be one of the posters on the wall. Not the inner space poster, the, the Burbs poster. It's a, it's a memorable shot, that's for sure. It's not much you can really say. It's, it's, it's a surprising no. film, and it's it's, it's... it's another one you should watch. It's another one you should watch. <laughs> uh, going on with... We're all, don't worry, folks. We're almost done with Joe Dante. <laughs> yeah. Um... 1990s, the new batch, Gremlins 2. A uh, four and a four. It's a remake of Gremlins. It's Gremlins. a remake of Gremlins before remakes <laughs> were a major thing in Hollywood. Yeah, but it's a, it's a good remake. But it's a, it's a satire of making remakes. It's a satire of remake sequels, and it's a, it's also on the original movie at the same time. If you if you can only see one movie in your life that's a satire about making remakes or reboots <laughs> of a previous film you've done. See this, not Jane Silent Bob the reboot. Uh, see this movie. <laughs> yeah, this one's this one's great. It's a lot of fun. It's I think it's probably it. Well, it's it's stronger than the first one, but I think it's funnier than the first one. This is the first one, but more. Yeah. This is the this is realizing what the first one was, and him being a little bit more unhinged, and then just going, I'm gonna have fun with this, and then it's I'm it's finally the t- gonna make my live action cartoon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the Twilight Zone uh, ep- uh, movie episode. Yeah, that's from his segment. Writ large, you know, movie. it's and it's great. It's a fun mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. It's it's a solid four movie. It's not his best film. I know a lot of people might rate it lower. It's like and I know it's a hit or miss for some people, but if you appreciate the first movie, you tend to appreciate this movie more. To me, it's probably I'd probably rate it as third. I'd say probably behind the Burbs and uh, Inner Space, but it is really good. And now, 
the movie that to this day JD doesn't know how to talk about it very well because he's not sure what the movie is, how mm-hmm. it is, yeah. because it's, it, it defies expectations. Uh, Joe Dante's oddball comedy drama, coming dramedy, of uh, coming of age story set in '93, starring John Goodman, a movie about movies. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about matinee. Um, this is another movie this that... This is a hard movie to talk about because it, I didn't really know what it was supposed to be. Yeah, it's like you gave it a three, I gave it a three. It's like I, I, I will it's generally good. boost it. I will generally say, no, more people should see this movie. It's a good movie worth But seeing, the yeah. movie is, yeah, it's a coming of age story. It's not his standard fare. But once it starts getting into the the idea about making... It's a movie about making movies, if about the like special mo- effects. If you like movies, if you like, like B-movies, if you like that era of film, it's definitely worth seeing. It's fun. This gave us... Mant. Yeah, if you like those types of movies, it's definitely worth seeing, and it's probably the type of movie only he could make. I'd say. Yeah, it's a movie set with the backdrop of the Cuban Missile Crisis, and everybody thinking they're going to die, and and really capturing that feeling yeah. people had with those B movies of the fifties and sixties yeah. of like, oh, nuclear nuclear war is coming, we're all going to die. We're Duck all and cover. Be Duck and cover. <laughs> the the coming of the nuclear age, and. But at the same time, the magic of escaping into, yeah, into film, into into that stuff it's that def- he captures that. But the movie is not as cohesive as a whole. John Goodman is great in it. John Goodman is fantastic in the movie. I think John Goodman is an underrated underrated uh, actor. I will say. Yeah, that was definitely a good one, and I think it was a good movie to actually end the Joe Dante stuff on with too, because it really does sum up a lot of his career. And then I think that we, after that, we moved on into... Actually, so what I'm going to read off you, um, I'm actually going to read a large portion of what you wrote. For what? For Matinee. Mm-hmm. This is an odd movie to talk about. It mm-hmm. isn't really a comedy, and it isn't really a drama, but neither is it a coming-of-age story. Mm-hmm. It isn't really a period piece either. However, it has elements of all four, making it quite a unique movie. You couldn't end a special like this on a better movie. Yeah. Matinee also represents the end of an era. It shows where cinema started how much of a community project it was once was, and how it could bring people together. Mm-hmm. It represents a different time that was long gone by the early 90s. At the same time, the early 90s, when this was released, was more or less the death of the low-budget B-movie. Matinee is more or less the last of its kind, on top of being a tribute to what allowed it to exist. Yeah. That make, This makes it a very hard movie to rate. What may be director Joe Dante's weirdest movie, it isn't quite what you would expect from him. That said, there isn't much like it either. I noticed a couple of spelling mistakes. Probably. Like you kept forgetting eyes and uh, the it's. Mm. Yeah, it's because that, that basically sums it up there. And then you did a bunch of uh, Guy Den episodes, which uh, if you want, I'll, I'll list them off. Just no, there's no point. Know. That takes take way too long. I might as well skip those. Go straight into the next season because that's both of us here for that. Okay, so mm-hmm. we kicked off the next season with a movie I've never seen mm-hmm. uh, that I ended up quite liking, actually. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, that's the first... Somewhere, somehow, someone's going to pay yep. 1985's Commando. Which is the first Schwarzenegger movie we've actually done on here. Which is really hard to imagine considering this is season six. But yeah. If I can at least say something about doing this Cannon Cruisers project, the CCP, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, it forced me to finally watch Cobra and to fi- finally watch Commando. Yeah. Which and is Commando working. is just as crazy as people have always made it out to be. It's just ridiculous. It's a funny movie. Remember when I said comedy. I'd kill you last? I lied. I finally get that reference. Yes, it's an action comedy. And like I said, it's really well done and really well timed. It's the movie that Last Action Hero wants to parody. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> which, which is why 
when people were saying like uh, it's a it's a great parody of action movies, I keep thinking, but that's kind of what Commando was. It's, it nails everything in that movie. There's great action sequences are great. The comedy's great. Arnold is at his best. I, I don't know what else to say about it. I didn't think I gave it a five because it is pretty perfect. So that brings us to what would have been the ninth of our uh, non-canon season this year. Mm-hmm. Um, a little movie that I for a second forgot to put the controller down because uh, I thought we were playing Double Dragon. Uh, I'm talking about Streets of Rage. Michael Perret's Streets of Rage. <laughs> Streets of Rage. I mean uh, Streets, Streets of, of Fire. Fire. Streets of Fire. Streets of Fire. Edit that. Edit that. I did not mean to make that mistake. Or did <laughs> I? Me. Yeah, Streets of Fire is a is a Walter Hill movie. Uh, it's another one I wanted to also cover. a great poster. It's another one I wanted to cover for a long time. It's a very influential movie on a lot of stuff we watch. Um, not even just in movies, but also in other mediums like uh, anime, for instance. Japanese and it's anime. a very divisive movie, as mm-hmm. you can see by the scores well, that me and JD gave it. JD loves this movie; is over do. the top for it. Where me, I was just uh, like, it's a it's okay movie. I, he gave it a five. I gave it a three. It's a uh, by the guy who did the. Um, the Warriors, but this is a bit more of a, I want to say, niche... Movie. Rock and roll fable with enough romance and wanted to shake a stick at. Yeah. This was meant to be the first... This was supposed to be the comic book movie uh, that Walter Hill always wanted to make for the stuff that they liked in comic books. Yeah, it's... But it's he ended up hating much. Michael Perry because he was kind of a dick, which is what we constantly hear about on every single one of his movies. That's why we which is why, it. Which is why I, as much as I would want to watch Eddie and the Cruisers and Eddie the Cruisers 2 and talk about it for you folks... I'm afraid of what I might find out behind the scenes. <laughs> he drowns somebody. <laughs> this guy's gets worse every time we hear about it. First, he yelled at somebody, then he punched somebody, then he beat somebody in attraction, then he killed somebody. He has no. He has no uh, romantic. Uh, what is it? No sexual uh, chemistry with anybody on the set. It just gets worse uh, and worse. Yeah, poor Michael Perret. Yeah, but it's it's fun, and I definitely recommend watching this one. Yeah, there, there's a lot to like about this film. There, and you might click cool. with it. Might be one of yeah, your Yeah, it's, like, it's in case it just kind of missed it. It's like, honestly, I was more interested in the the sequels because like, they were setting it in different locales. So one was mm. the city. And then he was going to do the desert. So it was going to be more Mad Maxi with yeah. with with moving cities and stuff. Like, yeah. like very much just like, here's the French band dessiné, uh, crazy manga action, but for in, through an 80s action movie lens. Yeah. Set by way of the 70s. Bandicity is probably the best way to put it. That's what it reminds me of most, actually. Uh, and then here's one that I was pushing hard for to watch mm-hmm. as a non-canon with all his films uh, apparently being wonderful yeah. uh, in some way or another. Which one was that? I'm talking about the man who everybody should know, Andy Sidaris's oh, yeah. Hard Ticket to... Hawaii from 1987, a movie where a guy skateboards and fires at them and then gets shot with a rocket and then they shoot a blow-up doll. (laughs) This is a movie I'd actually already seen before, but Randy brought it up one day and said, uh, we should watch, um, what's that, Andy Sidaris' Hard Ticket to Hawaii? I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch that again. And I'm glad he made me watch it again because it's a fun, fun, fun movie. And it's, I neither mind to let people know that when we had recorded this, the next movie we watched was freaking Crack House. Yeah, so this was a good one too. <laughs> this was a good one to actually have a good time with. Let's put it that way. It's uh, it's not a perfect movie. There's a lot of goofiness in it, but it works because it embraces what it is. And is we both rated it very highly. We gave it fours. Oh yeah. And I will leave out on this little part of it with, you'll never look at frisbee the same way again. <laughs> no, you won't.
so after that, another movie which I surprisingly liked a lot more than I thought I was going to. Which was? Chuck Norris. Ah, uh, yes. David Carradine. 1983's Lone Wolf McQuaid. I picked that one specifically because Randy was starting to starting to waver on the Chuck Norris path. Oh, I still I, have wavered on I, Chuck Norris. I don't know if I like him that much. And I said, well, we have to watch his best movie then. And that's why I picked Lone Wolf McQuaid. Because if Randy really needs to see him at his best, at the very least. And it's not a canon movie, so but I, I had to go out of way to find it. But I thought uh, Invasion USA was supposed to be his best movie. It's a fun one, but it's not his best one. That's his Cause best Because it, ha- it has its time. But no, <laughs> this one has uh, David Carradine in it, which automatically makes it better because he can't... He's contractually obligated to never lose in a fist fight, so he has to get killed by a rocket. Which with is a building always, falling on top of him. Always worth seeing, especially in a movie <laughs> like this. Yeah, uh, most of his movies in the 80s were in canon. Uh, this was one of the few that wasn't, and it's his best one, so I wanted to cover it. That's pretty much the sum for that one. Uh, next movie we watched after that was The Forbidden Dad, but we already talked about yeah. that bad film. <laughs> and then that brings us to the end of a very long episode with what we watched today which has honestly become one of my top, at least in my top 20 of uh, films I've seen, mm-hmm. Romancing the Stone by Robert Zemeckis, Robert starring Michael Zemeckis. Douglas and the always beautiful Kathleen Turner. Yeah, this was a long season. As you can imagine, we went through a lot, and I wanted to end it on something strong, something Randy hadn't seen, and from a director I knew was going to deliver. And what better way to do it than with Robert Zemeckis's Romancing the Stone, from 1984. It's crazy how long this season is, all things considered, when we usually keep it oh. to, a, to a cool 13-13 or 12-12. Yeah. Well, this one, we, we, like I said, we was going to be a quick one and then whatever. And then we added a bunch of Hercules movies in to just to, as filler and then we realized, wait, we had enough for 1980. Well, that was to make sure we had enough episodes, but I also wanted to cover them because, well, because they're canon movies and we couldn't get them before, which is... Mostly what we're doing next season. I guess we might as well just go into that now. Uh, next season is sort of a everything else type thing. What did up- the way I want to focus on it is I want us to watch, finish off the canon because we're gonna get to in this season mm-hmm. the death of canon. Yeah, and then revisit the movies that we weren't able to get the first time around. Yeah, we get we've done like Heart and Soul. I've been able to get. I, folks, I got a hold of Heart and Soul. I got a hold of Love Streams. I yeah. got a hold of Robotech. Um, we got the Young Warriors, I think. We have, the, I think we have the Young Warriors. We have, uh, we're still looking for not like not down twisted, dangerously close. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, of stuff. We're still looking for uh, that championship season. Where it's like I, if I'm willing to pay for it, I I found a copy of uh, Otello. Yeah, there's a lo- there's a bunch of stuff. Uh, listen, we've done everything so far. Every season has been up to 1990. What I wanted this season to do was be. Everything from 1991 to the end, as well as the stuff we missed. So we go back and scoop the stuff up we missed. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to cut the season up, just in case of, you know, whatever, lockdown, whatever. But also because I wanted to make sure that stuff is saved for that season. So we have everything here. Yeah, so just final things. is like, this is this with this mm-hmm. episode, this should bring us into sometime in February. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will have a our usual two weeks off, and yeah. then... Uh, we should be able to have some more episodes up right away mm-hmm. um, because the lockdown in our area is not that bad. The vaccine's starting to move out. Um, yeah. and... and since in my community, uh, as I live alone, I'm allowed to have a visitor like once a week <laughs> yeah. to, you know, for my mental health. That's or how... I can visit somebody else's house once a week for my yeah. mental health. So we're still able to 
uh, record. It's one this. of the reasons too. Um, that aside too is in the winter when we do this. Sometimes there's weather problems. And yeah, we usually don't. Anything. We usually don't record for the entire month of January because we get hit with the hard weather around this time. And, so, and we usually only start recording about the second or third week of February because that's usually how it shakes out. That's us. why we usually try to get a little bit ahead of it, and that's one of the reasons we usually have like a little bit of a gap between seasons just to make sure we have enough time. But after that, we're going to do, like, is it a couple of episodes of maybe something different? And we'll see. It's like, I honestly think we'll be able to close out canon this year. Maybe by the end of the year, we'll close out maybe. canon 2021. And then I have some ideas for the future, depending on how things go. I know, I, I know after everything's all said and done, I want to go back and revisit some of the earlier episodes of stuff that I don't think we've given enough respect to in the first, uh, I want to say, five years of canon. Yeah, there's a lot of non-canon stuff we wanted to cover. We haven't, we might not even get to cover at, at during the run of this. But so like I said, there, it's like, Randy has some other ideas and some skills that he's going to need to pick up. And uh, as as a hint for what we might be doing really soon, um, normally we do something every season. We usually cover a movie from a certain person. We didn't get to do one this season. But that might change. Or yeah, we, could, we also didn't get to do a Halloween, a proper Halloween episode this year. Yeah. So we might do a different type of holiday episode so going we'll forward. See. So we'll uh, see. Yeah. Uh, so we will probably head off with a... a do you want to just say it again? Like Maybe like a four or five episode, uh, uh, a non-canon uh, yeah. collection of maybe a director or a certain actor, and mm. then go into uh, launching the next season. Yeah, it's, it's, we usually try to do that between seasons. Mostly also, not just because we want to do it, but because it gives us a bit of a, uh, a head start to Which, for new stuff. I, I feel like I'm just dragging it out by <laughs> bringing it up, but it's like, yeah, so that so officially canon season 7 should start sometime in March, April. Yeah, probably when we get through all of this stuff, when this finally gets posted. But And and can, non-canon season 7 should start the mid to late February. So, with that, I think we're pretty much done with this one. Unless there's anything this. else you want to say. Uh, oh, I want to get this season what, 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 do you, what do you think the Expos' chances no, are this year? Uh, no. I don't want to <laughs> talk about the Blue Jays or the Cardinals or any of those guys. I just want to wrap this up. Do you, so, do you think this pandemic will ever end? Are we forever in our houses? Is this the end of dinosaurs? Is the snow just going to uh, come on to us? It was created by Cannon Cruisers. It'll die with Cannon Cruisers. And that's where we're going to end it, everybody. We'll see you next season for another season of this season. I'm not going to repeat myself again. We're going to see you in a couple weeks. All right, everybody? Yeah, Goodbye. I hate you all. Goodbye. <laughs>
in my pants, would you like to take a gander? And there's a rocket in my pocket like a home salamander. If a diamond ring is something that you'd like, well, don't worry, baby, because the key's back. Tell me there's something to go around Rockin' down to the boat in sound My name is Rockula and I'm a ticket to old prisoners Later today I got nothing to do I'm gonna buy me a car, maybe I'll buy a one too, baby If you need money, baby, I got a stack Just tell all your friends that the king is back. I got love, I got money, there's enough to go around the home. Rocking them down to the boat in the sound. My name is Rockula, I'm gonna play my thing right now.
take it all. I don't know the words to song. 